Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. We're closing out the book, Second uh, Peter chapter 3. And honestly, I think that there's some, some tidbits in here for you that, that I pray will be a blessing. I pray that the Lord will use this message in a real way, a practical way. How many need something practical, something tangible today to sink your teeth into? Three of you, I appreciate that. This message is for you three. And uh, I, hope that it, I hope that it helps. And uh, man, that was neat, wasn't it? Blessing all those children. Amen. The Lord's so good. He's been good to our church. He really has. He continues, continues to just blow my mind of what he's doing here. Uh, I'll probably forget um, later on, but moms, if you're a mom here, don't forget your cup on the way out. Just moms, back where Jen is, hold one up. Uh, that's a gift card uh, with some candy in it. So our, a gift from our church to you, a happy Mother's Day. Uh, muffins with moms and you know, Dunkin' Donuts gift cards. We just want you to know that you're loved and that we care for you. And uh, Father's Day, I don't know, we'll just pass out a, a, I don't know, a nail to each one of you. <laughs> some of you a hammer, some of you a nail, and you guys can meet up and go build something later. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Grooming kit. Not a bad idea. Wow. All right. Target five bucks. All right. Grooming kit. That's a hint. Some of you men are looking scruffy. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Awesome. Let's pray real quick and then, hey, we gotta, I'm going to talk fast and you got to listen fast. Father, we love you again. We pray that your spirit go before us. Most important time here is the preaching of your word. And Father, I pray that it would be an encouragement. It would strengthen our hearts and our walks. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter one of Second Peter was what good looks like. Chapter one was what good looks like. Remember, this is the Apostle Peter's really last words, and he, he's going to die. Most scholars agree that he's going to be uh, crucified upside down uh, within three years. So this is his last book, Second Peter, and it's really just a challenge. It's his final words. Listen, uh, this, this man has grown. Really, he was against having a Gentile ministry uh, in the beginning, and then we know that from the book, where, where the book of Acts, where he ministers to Cornelius, the Lord changes his heart. Uh, now, at the end of his ministry, Peter is writing a book almost exclusively to Gentiles, uh, and so uh, encouraging them in the Lord and encouraging them to uh, follow the Lord in a specific way. So we find that people change, and and Peter instructs in Second Peter chapter one. He says, "This is what good looks like." If, if you could take, I mean, think about the Apostle Peter. Was there, I would say, the only one that would challenge uh, his influence, thank you so much, the only one that would challenge his influence would be Paul. So the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, Jesus himself, when these men are, are preaching and teaching to us through their word, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit, I don't know that there's a more important book to read. I don't know that there's a more important uh, set of, of advice, you know, and, and teachings that you could have that would be more impactful. Uh, so this is it. He's, he's saying, look, uh, my final words, chapter one is this is what good looks like. Chapter two is this is what good doesn't look like. He addresses false teachers. 
Peter says that uh, you need to be aware that there are people that are going to come that are going to uh, teach something that is of another gospel, that is not correct. And, and so chapter one, what good looks like. Chapter two, what good doesn't look like. And now we arrive at chapter three, and I am going to condense this. This is the timing of doing good. The timing of doing good. I probably could spend about an hour and a half on this just based on preconceived notions on end-time eschatology. And what I mean by that is end-time prophecy. Uh, I'll say this, prophecy sells. Prophecy sells. There are an overwhelming uh, collection of pre-tribulation, rapture, uh, you know, seven-year tribulation. There's an overwhelming uh, market for that in our Western culture. You know, where people think, and, and of course in our American society, if someone could craft a point of view from Scripture that says we get to be ejected out of this thing when everything gets really bad, uh, of course we're going to buy into that. <laughs> of course we're going to buy into the fact that, hey, we're going to be raptured out and then all the chaos is going to take place and we get to watch from heaven, right? That, that's, that's best case scenario. We don't have to be here for all the bad stuff. Uh, but how many know that through Scripture, this man that's, that's preaching to us now from 2 Peter, being crucified upside down is, is a pretty bad way to go, huh? Many of them were sawn asunder, the Bible says. If you've ever read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, we're not sitting here today because we've had a bunch of powder puffs gone before us. If you question the legitimacy of Scripture, you must question it really on the lives of many that have given their life. It, it's so easy for us to turn on YouTube. It's so easy for us to, to philosophize and to look at what, what people are saying and what good looks like. But understand, for 2,000 years, there have been people that knew this to be true and gave their lives as an example of it. Paul and Peter to be two that we're going to talk about. So before we dismiss beliefs, before we separate ourselves in our comfort, uh, what, what is seen as a blessing to be born in America is also your curse. What is seen as a blessing to have every comfort known to man will also keep you from the truth that others were perpetuated towards because of their difficult life and because of their suffering. So it hasn't always been this way. It's, it's easy for us to be lulled to sleep in our American society, in our 401ks, where we are storing up treasures for ourselves, but yet realize that three score and 10, 70 years comes quickly. And that there is a point to this, this whole thing. And so what Peter is saying, hello, what's he saying? <laughs> what he, oh, it's in your part, <laughs> it's okay. She's got the baby, it's okay. <laughs> So anyway, what he's saying is the timing of doing good, how this looks, and what our perspective is towards the end times should be deliberate. And so we're going to see that. So as I took a few stabs at, at you know, pre-trib rapture and seven-year tribulation, my point is I want you to understand that just because someone doesn't believe in a rapture or the rapture at the time you believe it is, and in a seven-year tribulation period, and when the Antichrist is coming, just because people differ on those things within the church doesn't mean that they're false teachers, right? If we can all agree on the second coming of Christ and that he is coming again, then those other things are secondary. There are things that are more important than others, like the legitimacy of Scripture, 
right? Versus how you interpret things are going to play out in the end times. Uh, so here's what I'm going to do, and this should, be, this should serve as an example for the church. I'm going to talk about what Peter talks about, and I'm not going to talk about anything else. I'm going to read what's in the scripture, and, and honestly, many of you will be like, uh, low-hanging fruit, pastor. Why didn't you talk about X, Y, and Z? Well, if I didn't, it's because it's not mentioned in the text. <laughs> if it's mentioned in the text, then we'll talk about it, but if not... Uh, I'm not really going to, for one, I don't have time. I've got about 20 minutes here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have time to build the case, but my point is, uh, looking at this, what is written in the text is written there for a reason, and there's no reason to go down rabbit holes that aren't there. All right, let's, let's try to minimize distractions and dive in here. How many believe that timing is important? How many believe timing is, some say, timing is what? Everything. Everything. There was an accident, a five-car accident coming back from Ocean City. I think it was on the Bay Bridge. Look at this picture. Look at this picture up on the screen. See that? Five cars piled up. This one goes over the guardrail, and, and a man by the name of uh, Jonathan Bauer, who was driving one of his vehicles with his 13-year-old daughter in it, sees a car seat ejected out of this vehicle into the bay. And... In a, in a split second, he looks at his daughter, his 13-year-old, and he says, listen, when the firefighter or police officer gets here, you go straight to them. Straight to them. You understand? Yes, I understand, Dad. And he looks down over the bridge, and he sees the car seat face up, the baby screaming, and then guess what? It turns over. And he jumps in. Jumps in the water immediately. Retrieves the baby, flips it over. When he flips the baby over, she begins to spit the water up, and she survives. A local boater picks them up. She's airlifted to the hospital, and she survives. Everyone in the car, five cars involved in this accident, they all survive because one man saw the importance of timing. Understanding, understanding that that little one, just for a few moments, turned over in the water is enough for her to lose her life. So he acted quickly and heroically, and we're all very thankful for that. But how many Christians, we look at our lives through the lens of timing and we don't make the right decisions. We don't live the right way. We don't put emphasis and focus on the things that we should put emphasis and focus on in such a way to actually save our lives for the sake of the gospel and many others. Within the boundaries of this text in 2 Peter chapter 3 is the famous verse that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This man was unwilling for this little girl to die and would risk his life for her to be saved. And listen, we have, we have a religion that should be a relationship with someone that was willing to enter into time and risk everything so that we may live. But yet, over and over again, people are not making the right decisions. They're not living the lives that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, has empowered you to live. And they ignore those decisions that they should be making. Listen, timing is important. Why do I say that? Well, part of it is something that this author really kicks off right here. So if you have your Bibles, go to 2 Peter chapter 3. And if you don't... Uh, there's, it's in the program. Right there in the program, the outline is already there. Now I'm gonna fly through this first part, okay? 
Look at chapter three, verse number one. Dear friends, am I in the right? Yeah. Dear friends, now this is the second letter I've written to you. In both letters, I want to stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder so that you recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and command of our Lord and Savior given through the apostles. Above all, above all, this is important. Be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the what? Last days. That is a timing thing. Timing is everything. Beware in the last days, scoffers following their own evil desires, look at verse four, saying, where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. Look at verse five. They deliberately overlooked this. By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago, and the earth was brought about from water and through water. Through these, the world of that time perished when it was flooded. By the same word, look at that, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Here it is again. Dear friends, dear friends, don't overlook. In verse 3 it says, above all, scoffers will scoff. Verse 4, where is his coming? They continue, verse number 5, they deliberately overlook. Peter is saying there are people that will deliberately overlook. Don't let that be you. There are people that will say this is not true. Don't let that be you. Look at it. Verse 8, dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, this is a timing thing. Watch. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. Here's the problem. This is what we do. We quantify the Lord and what he's doing by the time in which he does it in. Peter says this. He says, hey, friends. Hey, friends, look at verse number eight. Here's the meat of the message. Verse number eight, dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. If Peter frames it that way, do you think it's important for us to not overlook that one fact? Hey, dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. Okay, cool, what is it? Well, here it is. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. Okay, here's what I got for you. Number one, days Weeks, months, and years are not contributing factors to the effectiveness of our God. What, what, is, what is it? Hey, dear friends, what is he saying, dear friends? Dear friends, here's what he's saying. One day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like what? One day. Here's what Peter's saying. God is, is not effective based on a timetable. What? For real? Why don't you tell my boss that? You know what I'm saying? I don't have to be effective on what I get done in eight hours. Shoot, one day is like a thousand years. So just give me my paycheck for the week and I'll be good. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, yeah. <laughs> I like that kind of religion. Of course we do, because we're lazy, you know what? We're lazy. Peter is saying how your time is quantified on earth, God is not quantified in his effectiveness that way. So what does this mean? It means that we have to confront our ideologies with what scripture says and not what we think about God. How is this practical, Pastor? It's super practical. Why? Because when we pray, we pray with time frames. Lord, if you could fix this problem today, Lord, if you could fix this problem in a week, Lord, I'll even give you a month. I'll give you a year. Lord, I've been this way my whole what? And the Lord says, my effectiveness is not predicated on your timetable. 
This is a truth that nearly, unfortunately, most Christians never, never accept. And they grapple with their entire life and then they become bitter when the Lord's effectiveness doesn't fit their timetable. And I often look at it and I go, Paul had a thorn in the flesh that the Lord never removed. Some of you will have things that you'll pray about that the Lord will answer, but he's answering it in the way that he wants to, in the way that he deems is effective. Here's the problem. Many of you have not answered this question in your own heart. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen in this world at all? Why does a child suffer an illness? How does that fit in God's plan? And we take that and we don't even realize that we're measuring God's effectiveness with time. A child, someone who is young. It's okay if it happens here in their old age, but God and Peter through the Holy Spirit is saying, what you have to understand is my effectiveness does not fit your narrative. It has nothing to do with time. One day is as what? A thousand years. What does this mean? It means that the Lord is concerned about another day, not this 24-hour period. It means that the Lord is trying to get you to see through Peter that what we should be concerned about is not this what? Not this world. Not this life. Not what my watch tells me. Not what my calendar tells me. There's something bigger. There's something greater. So therefore, if you're hung up on point number one, still trying to get breakthrough in this life, it's probably because you're looking for something that's specific to this life and the Lord has chosen to solve it with the next. By his stripes we are healed. The unfortunate thing with Americans today is we're unwilling to suffer. We're unwilling because we're spoiled to go through hardships and hard times. And the Lord says, that's the point of the gospel. I suffered so that you could be set free. Free in what? Free in what you're going to suffer. The Bible says that we have a God who is tempted like we are tempted, who suffer as we suffer. You're looking for escape from something that he has already given you victory in. This life, Job said, is full of trouble. Few days, full of trouble. And this is why the prosperity gospel is so damaging. You you come in the door and and you just think, well, if I just believe in God, everything is going to be perfect. The Lord's just going to bless everything about my life. The Lord blessed you with the next life. How (laughs) How he chooses to allow certain things in this life is for one reason and one reason only, and this should give you the perspective. The Lord is not willing that any should what? Perish, but that all. The point of this life is to come to him. The point of this life is to find Jesus, is to say, oh my goodness, this gives me perspective. By his stripes, we are healed. I can suffer. I can understand the loss of a loved one. I can understand a sickness. Why? Because it's not measured in days and months and years. It's measured by the gospel. The Lord has already redeemed my days, my months, and my years. I may lose a loved one in this life, but guess what? We're going to be together in the next. The Lord has already answered your prayers. Here's what I'm not saying, not to pray for things to be done in this life. He gives, Paul prayed over and over for that thorn in the flesh to be what? Removed. But he was willing to accept when the Lord chose to leave it. Why? Because he understood that timing does not apply to God and his effectiveness. This is a huge issue. Do you understand? 
Like this is something that, it's like a next level thing that people do not understand. Why do bad things happen? You're looking for God's effectiveness to happen in your timetable and that's not how God works. Number two, look at verse nine. I gotta hurry. Whew, we're doing okay. You'll be out of here by 1230 tomorrow. <laughs> look at verse nine. <laughs> the Lord does not delay. Here's another timing thing. This is all about timing. I love, that's why I love this. The Lord does not delay his promise. As some understand delay, he's trying to get you to see, he's baiting you in. The way you understand patience and delays is not the way he, he's delaying it. It's not the same, but is patient with you. Here's number two. The Lord will work in any period of time, but is not limited to that time. The Lord will come into any time in anyone's life and he will work. The Lord is not a respecter of persons. Why is this important? It's vitally important because many of you think some people are too far gone and you think some people will never get it. And then you think you're, you've arrived. All of those have to do with what? Time. Number one, days, weeks, months, years is not how God predicates his effectiveness. Number two, the Lord will work in any time period he chooses to work in. It's his choosing. He stepped out of time. I'm sorry, he stepped, yeah, yeah, yeah. He stepped into time to live his life, right? 33 and a half years at his appointed time, at his choosing. It could be anyone's life. And this should encourage us to know that that coworker, that family member, that person that you're praying for, guess what? Today could be the day of their salvation. So could tomorrow. It's so, it's, it's amazing. Listen, some of you are carrying this weight right now. I see it. You're walking around with this timetable. Maybe for some of you, it's like, I'm never gonna, you know, I'm never gonna find that special someone. My son or daughter's never gonna come back to Jesus. My sister or my brother, they'll, they'll never come to a saving knowledge. My dad's always gonna be an alcoholic. You're just carrying it. And Peter is saying, all that timing is the Lord's. He'll work in that when he's ready and, and, and know that he's patient. Oh my goodness. He, he, he is, he's delayed this whole thing for that person. Why? Because he's not willing that any should perish. It's always been about the person and not the timing of the person. What I see about this is that it's been 2,000 years. That's two days in heaven, really. A thousand is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. And if the Lord knows in 8,000 years all the people that are going to come to know him, he's cool with waiting. He's made provision for this thing to continue for all of his children to come to know him. That's kind of how I'm sensing this. So therefore, while we are living in that timetable, take the pressure of time off of yourselves because the Lord doesn't operate in that and put the pressure where? On him. It's yours, God. And I know that you've set this thing up from the beginning to not be about a certain period of time, but to be about a person. God is always about the sheep. He's always about the lost one. We would do well to follow that example. Number two, the Lord will work in any period of time, but is not limited to that time. Number three, look at verse 10 through 13. The, uh, I really don't have time to get into this. Uh, I really want to do this right now. Okay, we're doing it. Quick. Quick! 
Verse 10 through 13, here it is. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will burn and be dissolved. We read this earlier. Do you see that the day of the Lord is a specific time? Some of you need to really tune in on this. The day of the Lord is a specific time. It's an event that Peter is talking about. And he's saying when it's triggered, when it happens, the world is gonna be burned up and renovated and we await for a new earth. The fire refines. How many know we live in a sin-sick world? All the bad that is being perpetuated in our world. Listen, it's sin. It comes from sin. We're born into sin. The cross takes care of that. It declares us righteous, but guess what? We're still living in it. The Lord wants to redeem not only you and your soul, but he wants to redeem what we see. The Garden of Eden, the original paradise, is how it was supposed to be. And the Lord is going to reinstate the garden again. He is going to renovate this world to be that. Watch. And this specific time, what Peter is saying is a day. It's the day of the Lord. When there's a reckoning, when there's a renovating. Um, look at verse, here's a clue. Look at verse number 15. Also regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom that he's given. Some of you, this, you need to put this in your eschatological timelines that are firmly looking for a rapture and being taken out of, watch this. Peter drops us a clue and he says, hey, Paul wrote about this too. How many wanna know what Paul said about it? Great, awesome, so do I. First Thessalonians chapter four, it says this, watch this. This is Paul's words. We do not want, I read this at every funeral. Every funeral I preach this. If you're wondering what I'm gonna say, just come sit in to one of our funerals that we have here. I'm gonna say the same thing at your funeral, okay? Here it is. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, those that have passed on. Amen. So that you do not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Paul is saying death is happening in their life and we shouldn't grieve as people who think they're gone forever. We should have hope, why? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say to this, watch this, for we say to this by a word from the Lord, we who are alive at the Lord's coming, the second coming, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort or encourage one another with these words. Everyone in, in my past of understanding end times stops right there. Don't stop. Look at the next verse. About the times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you. What? No, 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 no. We got a left behind series, God, don't you know? We got a Kirk Cameron, just ask him. <laughs> we know exactly how it's gonna play out. Paul is saying what you're concerned with, you don't need to be concerned with. About how in the timing that this, isn't that funny, Cody? About the time, we laugh about this stuff all the time, but how this is gonna play out is really not the most important thing, but what does the church do? That's all we talk about. I just can't wait. Rapture me out of here, Lord. 
nah, look at it, keep going. For you yourselves know very well that, what does he say? The day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Have I heard that? Look what Peter says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Look at what Paul says in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You yourselves know that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then, let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love, the helmet of hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath. Pre-wrath. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or are asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are doing. He describes the same event. The same event, the day of the Lord. Rather than trying to fit your end time prophecy to the Bible, <laughs> right? Why don't we just read the Bible and accept it for what it says? Here's what it says, number four, and finally. Live every day for the final day. Here's your tweetable quote for Sunday. Death is not the day that, that should govern our life. The day of the Lord should. Death is not the day that should govern our life. The day of the Lord should. What did Peter and Paul agree on? That the Lord, when he comes back, is going to set everything in order. What do we agree on? What do we know is going to happen? The Lord is coming again. And when he comes back, they mention this thing called the day of the Lord. Listen to this. Here's what, here's what Paul says in another passage. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it. I wonder what day he's talking about there. Huh. I got a hint. For the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, the fire will test the quality of each one's works. If anyone's works that has been built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss. But he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If any destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. Listen. Here's the final thoughts, the conclusion of the book. I've loved this book. He says, dear friends, in 14, therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight. Here's the thing. Many of us are controlled by fear of when we're leaving this world. And Paul said, oh, death, where's thy sting? Oh, grave, where's thy victory? You know what that is? That's timing. I'm worried about the time when my life ends. And, and Peter and Paul both agree, and they say, don't worry about the time that you have. It's appointed unto men once to die. But after this, it's the judgment. Both agree that the important day, the important time period that we should be looking to is the day of the Lord. How you live today 
matters for that day. Live, listen, if you know that the Lord is going to righteously divide what is holy from what is unholy, why would we live unholy lives on this earth? Peter is saying, if you know that time isn't the issue, but holiness is, you won't be worried about God's timing, you will be worried about being holy before the Lord. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only what's done. When we close this book here, 2 Peter, here's the overwhelming truth for me, the timing of doing good. Death is not the day you should be looking towards. It's the day of the Lord. Today, all of what you see around you, turn on the news, look around the world, social media, all of the brokenness will one day be restored. Don't let the devil whisper in your ear and tell you that because everything is so bad, that it's okay for you to live like that too. That it's okay for you to be careless too. You have the truth. You're of the light. You know that the Lord is gonna redeem this whole thing. So stop wasting time. Live today like it's the day of the Lord. Live today like you're gonna stand before him today. There's, there's no time to waste. Spoken from a man that's about to give his life for the sake of the gospel, there's no time to waste. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.